granny flats and half baths. Get yourself a tasty bowl of popcorn sealing, dab some bleach on your legal blemishes, and don't forget to enforce your gag rule. You know what they say is the most important part of real estate? It's talk tall to me, talk tall to me, talk tall to me. <laughs> I'd get such a reaction out of you for that. Welcome back! I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together, we are Feckless Moans. And this, my dear sweet friends, is Talk Tall to Me. An inspection report issued from the gated community of Prog Rock in which new urbanism Nick and oral agreement Omen will give our power of attorney to the collected works of semi-custom rock band Jethro Tull. Every album a subdivision, every song a semi-detached home, we will take out a second mortgage on My Sunday Feeling, install a deep-seal floor drain in the domicile of Driving Song, and even sign a waiver of subrogation for Weathercock. From the buffer strip of benefit all the way to the sublease of silent singing, Nick and I will do our due diligence to unearth any flaws, any cracks in the foundation that may come up in these songs. And as we strip away the wallpaper of the ages, we may reveal an original Ian Anderson hidden underneath them. Who would cover that up? The, the original Ian Anderson? The original Ian Anderson was underneath the, the linoleum all that time. There have been recreations, but but the the true the the, the true aficionados can tell a fake. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Nick, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back, Omen. Welcome back. It's nice to see your face. It's nice to be seen, and it's nice to be talking tall about yet another song from the great canon of the work. Of Ian Anderson and Jethro Tull. That's right. It's a fairly monumental day in the canon as we are done with Broadsword and the Beast with the bonus tracks. This is our last track. We are laying the capstone on this retainer wall of Broadsword and the Beast. It should hold if we did the math right. Which we did not. Which we didn't because <laughs> Omen did the math. I knew that using pudding as mortar would be both delicious and effective yeah osha probably won't mind i think it'll be okay we'll get by with it the ants are living their best lives well that's the that's the beauty of a of a capstone in an arch is if you do it right you don't need mortar at all it will hold i wish i had something funny to say about that but uh you you make a very good point that's just a mathematical truth it's a mathematics it's it's physics (laughs) nick today we have the pleasure of talking about another song And the title of that song is Down at the End of Your Road. A very lurking, interesting, dark little number here that I am excited to dig into. Carefully dig into so we don't disrupt any power lines. Absolutely. We called 411 first. They checked it out. (laughs) Call before you dig. They sprayed the the paint. Let's see. Power line is pink. I think sewer is blue. Power line is pink. I would imagine sewer line would be brown. Well... I don't think brown spray paint really stands out in the... In the no, I guess yeah. not. <laughs> Let's hope that it's brown spray paint and not something else. Anyway, down at the end of your road, shall we listen to this omen? Let's listen to it. Let's do it. Ooh, girl. Merciful. Yes. So before I listened to it for this specific episode, I'd only heard this kind of in passing once or twice. I think it was was the same for you, correct? Yes, I've only heard this uh, a handful of times and a small handful of that. A child's handful of times. How Children's hands aside, how do you feel about this song? (laughs) You know, this is is one that I think I've always had an admiration for. But I don't know that I ever owned this song in any kind of media format. Mm, mm-hmm. And so by the time the streaming world came to be, I'd sort of forgotten about it. You know, I, right. I when we got to it, I was like, oh, yeah, this song. But mm-hmm. 
it definitely made an impression on me when I first heard it. And mm-hmm. I think it's brilliant. I honestly, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't gotten more attention as a song from the tall catalog. It's ridiculously good. This might be one of my new favorites. Ever? It's, yeah, it might be up there. It's really good. If you could only use a child's hand to pick up Jethro Tull songs, would this fit in that little palm? Are we talking like... Every time you pick up a song, another one falls out. <laughs> like a Three Stooges bit? Yeah. I mean, there are there are some of the classics that, that, that I love that I would want in that handful, but this is... This still has that patina of new on it, and it's and it's really darn good while still having that fresh new feeling. So I would, yeah. I think I'd swap something out if I had to choose. I would, I would swap something out. I think, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I think it's really good. This song, Nick. I'm curious when you first heard it, what sort of a what sort of a feeling it gave you. Well, I never, un, until studying it for this episode, I never knew the lyrics. I never, other other than Down at the End of Your Road, I didn't know what the song was about. So just sonically, the feeling was kind of smarmy, kind of dark, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a dark feel. But I couldn't put that, I couldn't put the, the impetus behind the dark. So it could very well have been a, the kind of dark that we felt in Stormwatch, maybe you know, but it has it has a darkness to it. You were you were going purely off of the the sound of the music, the yes. music itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This 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 gave me a similar sensation when I when I first heard it, and it and that is a that feeling has stood the test of time. You know, now listening to it, probably ten years later. Yeah, I get this very self satisfied feeling of evilness. Yes, that's spot on. Do you ever like do you ever like think of doing a bad thing and then you're like yes and you get like a warm feeling? <laughs> no, I try not to think about doing bad things. Oh, okay. You uh me neither. You, you monster. <laughs> no, but this this song gives me that it kind of allows me to live out my my desire to do evil in a in a safe way. But it's sort of it's it's the tasty not it's the tasty bad things. Yeah, it's catharsis. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, experiencing it through others. Yeah. Yes, I cathart through it. I just catharted real bad. Let's talk about the music element of this song. That sure. Was the, thing, the first thing that caught your attention. Yeah. What sticks out about it now that maybe you didn't notice musically about it previously? The individual pieces, surely that make up the whole of the the great sound. I'm trying to put my finger on it. Is this is this a catfish sound that we're hearing here? I don't think catfish is this heavy. I think maybe it's it's more a little it's more like Crest of a Nave in terms of the heaviness. Okay. But Crest of a Nave went further away from the synth. This is this is kind of Yeah, okay. peak synth, but but I I hear what you're talking about, mm-hmm. especially when we get to like Martin Barr. Yeah, yeah, he's really coming into that that era, which is difficult to define musically, but it has that. I, I would say it kind of has that combination of calculatedness with being slightly unhinged. Yeah, yeah, he's he's very stingy and licky in this, and in in regards to the synth, going back to the synth, it's not just straight up synthy keyboards like there's there's more to it there's more texture to the synth in this and i really like that about this there's a lot going on with the synth in this song peter john vitesse is really plumbing the depths of the of the synthesizer and getting every sound imaginable out of it and some sounds that i had never imagined i could never never imagine that sound come from anything but pjv makes it happen i literally during the intro to this song i thought to myself Am I falling in love with this synthesizer? And and were you? I think I am. Yeah? I think it's happening. I think that in my heart, I am becoming emotionally entangled with the synthesizer. It's so cool. Are you talking this specific synth or, or th- 
the idea of the synthesizer, synth in general. You will you will now go out and find other s- examples of synth and spread your your seed. My <laughs> spread, mm. spread your synth seed. Spread spread my hands wide in order to grasp all that synth. Yeah, I think that I think that both. I think that this journey of of talking tall. And specifically the last couple of albums have opened my mind to the history and the, and the diversity of sounds of the synthesizer. You know, again, we've talked about this before that nowadays we kind of, or, you know, in the age that we were growing up, we kind of thought of the synthesizer as, well, you couldn't afford a full string section, so you're going to play it on the synth. But this, you know, the way that PJV plays it, the way that special guest Eddie Jobson played the synth Mm -hmm. was really you know, this exploratory, joyous, brave new world of sound. And this yeah. is, this song is a great example. You have these incredible, this incredible octave, you know, multi-octave range happening. There are all these very perky sounds, you know, where the attack is very peculiar and something that you can't mm-hmm. really replicate with a an instrument of the, of the earth. <laughs> a terrestrial instrument. A terrestrial <laughs> instrument. Thank you. But this allows, you know, some of these feelings to be expressed in this in this unique way. And I just I just I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Now is is that full opening is that is the full is the full opening just synth or are are we getting Martin on like what is it called? Harmonics in those certain plinkies? A fascinating question. I'm not sure. In the in the early part of the intro, we have the the synthesizer coming in. Obviously, the drums come in for a fill and fill in gloriously. Jerry Conway is really bringing. He, he's fitting a lot of emotion into a small space with that drum. The the guitar sneaks up on you in this song like a like a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> Down at the end of your road. And all of a sudden, the guitar is sitting in your living room, holding, you know, an intense conversation with you, and you can't figure out how to get rid of it. Even a pamphlet of the watchtower in your hands. (laughs) It won't accept any coffee. It it won't. They don't celebrate birthdays, but they have good news. I mean, that's, that's what I hear. And the good news is Martin Barr is playing the guitar. Don't know when he started, but you know that it's happening. Martin Barr is risen, yeah. I really can't identify where he comes in. And I think that I think that the mix of this song has the guitar pretty far back. So maybe if there was a different mix, maybe we would hear the guitar. We would be able to identify where it comes in. Yeah, it's synth forward. It's definitely vocals forward. And it's really drum heavy, too. The drums are great. I love those drum fills. Yes, they do a lot. So this song, I believe, is in 4-4 time. Yeah. But the drums and Ian's scansion are pulling it in almost opposite directions. Mm. So it's really hard to find that beat. It's really hard to identify where those measures land, even though I'm fairly certain, you know, the the main pulse of the song is is in a, is in a steady four. Yeah, that that feels right. I like what you say about Ian Scansion. I didn't think about it before, but it's kind of it's kind of jilted and it kind of it's kind of staccato. Is that like a like sure. kind of a rapidy fire kind of and then but every now and then he'll like he'll miss a beat in his singing and then pick up later and it's and you kinda of, you kinda of catch your breath and yes. it just it really yes. just it just powers through the feeling of this character. There's a great example of that in in I guess what I would call the third verse. Okay. Designing a system to reverse your plumbing, welling up as you sit on your private throne, will come up all mm. kinds of vile mm-hmm. and despicable nasties. So, what do you call it in Shakespeare? So, in Shakespeare, you know, there's the iambic pentameter, and then every so often there are extra beats oh, that go gosh. over ten. Yeah, you know, so the regular in in theory, it's all ba dum ta dum ta dum ta dum ta dum. But sometimes when a character gets into a really heightened state of emotion they'll go to dum to dum to dum to dum to dum to dum 
<laughs> it's like they can't fit all the feelings into that format. It, it overflows the bounds of its uh, of the rules. There may be a specific term for it, but at any rate, I sort of feel that's what Ian is doing here. Yeah, he is quite the poet in his in his writing and his delivery. It just it so darn good. And it's hard to imagine anyone else singing this. I mean, this is again oh gosh, we keep yeah. saying this, but this is really great artists carve out a niche for themselves that is unique. Yeah. And even if somebody can come close to it, you know that like, um, Freddie Mercury. Mm. Yeah. I, I, it's funny you bring up queen, but continue. Go on. I've, I've, I wanted to mention queen. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, in the way that Freddie Mercury sings is unique to him and, Part of that was because of literally the size of his teeth. He had a yeah. bigger set of resonators than anyone else. And so he could sing in this different way. And, you know, Queen is perhaps more widely popular than Jethro Tull. And so there have been more attempts to bring in other people to sing that material. Uh, sure. Most recently, Adam Lambert, mm. who's a fantastic artist whom I really enjoy, has been singing the Freddie Mercury role. And he's really, really good at it. Mm. And I think that, you know, Queen's scansion is a little bit more easy to to pick up on than Ian Anderson's. Sure, right. But even so, you know, you you know that you're plugging someone else into that role who has the unenviable decision of saying, am I going to do it as close as possible to the original or am I going to put my own stamp on it? And either way, someone's going to dislike it because yeah. you're not that right. person who created it. Well, it's like it's like when Martin play, Martin plays Jethro Tull it's his one of his bandmates sings the parts and he sings it in his own way. I mean, he will never be Ian, obviously. So they do it in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. What were you, what were you going to say about Queen? So at the at the stingy kind of bridge with Martin's like really kind of ripping guitar in the bridge, he it, I I don't know Queen well enough to give you a specific song, but Martin's guitar in that bridge makes me think of Queen. So it makes me think of it's got a little bit of like a Brian May signature on there, even though we know Martin has never heard Queen in his life. Oh, because, well, he's never heard any other music. Exactly. Yeah. Anytime, anytime that the band would come within hearing distance of any other music, they would tie Ian Anderson to the mast and all the other band members would put wax in their ears so that they wouldn't hear it. And yeah. he could, and Ian could hear it without being able to jump out into the um road right yeah that's facts <laughs> mythical fact mythical facts you know brian may is still playing yeah with queen and adam lambert yeah speaking of singing voices ian's the the doubling of ian's voice at the end of these lines it's not quite harmonized it's really like a kind of a just a oh. double up of speaking. Down at the end of your road. This is an instance where I, I'm pretty confident that it's it's legit. It's just Ian doing another track. It's not anyone trying yes. to harmonize. And I it's, agree. It's just a really cool, it adds to the creepy, kind of greasy grossness of this character. Yes, yes. And it's something that we haven't seen in a little while. We, we used to see that a couple albums back. That was... That technique was used on almost every song. Yeah, early on before he got people that were, I don't know, people that were comfortable enough to, to sing harmonies before, who was it, Peggy came on and... Yes, yes. And there was one other, I don't think it was Mark. I think Peter John Batiste oh, sings. Oh, PJV, yeah, maybe. When it was the early run of the, like the standard players, I mean, they kept, they they stayed in their lane and it was just... Ian doing all of the singing, no matter how many layers. And then doubling up on the layers in the, in the recordings, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think at a certain point, we got a little, you know, listening to everything in order, we got a little like, oh, yes, okay, we're doubling up the voice again. But in this, it's a welcome return. Absolutely. I totally agree. It fits so well. It's not, 
it doesn't feel like an attempt at a harmony. It feels like it just it builds on that character. Yeah. Yes. 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 It builds. It's it's Mm -hmm. the character. Other things to to say musically, Nick. Yeah. Just finally, the the last note that I have is on those final down at the end of your road repetitions. Mm -hmm. He just gets so damn passionate about it yes. and and it just it just adds i love this character i love this narrator so much there's something wonderful about this song which is that it is such a bizarre concept for a song it's yes. such a bizarre subject mm-hmm. and if anyone else did it it would seem like a weird al yankovic song yeah right yeah 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 you know it'd be like oh yeah it's a weird little character mm-hmm. but it but it, but when you commit to it in the mm-hmm. way that this that these musicians are and the way that Ian does it's just it opens up a world for you it's almost mm-hmm. like it reminds me of some of Tom Waits stuff oh sure yeah do you know that track what's he building what's in he there? building in there yeah yeah it's yeah. great and, and mm-hmm. it's like you know again anyone else doing that it would be very very twee and silly yeah What's he building in there? What the hell is he building in there? But Tom Waits laid the foundation for that credibility of of pulling off a song like that. And and I, the same can be said for Ian at this point. Not necessarily because he's had a bunch of weird songs, but it's the poetry and the delivery that really... that that makes that feasible and... And a serious song. It's the progatory of it. Yes, it's the progatory. It's the progatory. It's the proctology of it. Yes, that too. Progatology. Oh my god. <gasps> Why have we not been calling ourselves progatologists? <laughs> New podcast. All right, New podcast. Folks, we're ending it here. Goodbye, everyone. Come back next week for episode one of... Progatology. Bend over, I'm your progatologist? I think that's too long. Too much, too much, too much. <laughs> We're workshopping it. <laughs> We're workshopping. Just to find a little point, the around the three minute mark where the where Ian is rounding out the song, we have the drum and bass filling in with these kind mm, of mm-hmm. explosive quick runs and and dashes in between the lyrics. And it it's just it's just wonderful. It's just a, a glorious way to it's it's cheeky, it's pert, it's clear, it, it's teeming with clarity but also this kind of explosive quality to it. Down at the end of your road. Yeah, the, the the drums and bass working in conjunction in this song. Beautiful. Lovely. Old D&B. So good. So so good. Huh. Nick, I'm exhausted. I I could take a little a little refresher break here. Are uh, are you you think we're about halfway through? Yeah, let's step out into the yard. All right. Okay, Omen. Hey. Omen, we are halfway. Uh, we are. It's, uh, it's nice to take a little break. Would you care for some refreshments? Sure, sure. What, what have you got for me, Omen? Here you go. I'm going to give you this. Oh, thank you. Delicious. That is... I think it's supposed to be lemonade. Um, <laughs> just tastes like... We ran out of lemons. Oh, so, so it's water. Okay. Sugar it's water. water. Great, it's sugar water. Thank you. That's yeah, great. yeah. But we also ran out of sugar. So it's it's tap, yeah. It's tap. Yeah. That's it's great. God's green water. The, the the we had the water shut off. I scooped it from that puddle over there. <laughs> <laughs> Anything any housekeeping while we're outside of the house? So no no housekeeping, but we did forget to do I try to do this at, at the end of every album proper, so we'll do it here. We are at the end of Broadsword and the Beast, Omen. Is there anything that you learned, anything, any new favorite song, anything, a new appreciation or a new, a new depreciation for this album? Have I learned anything? I think I have, Nick. I, I think that I have really, as I was saying earlier, this, has, this album in particular has made me really value the synthesizer as an instrument and, mm. and all of its possibilities. Mm-hmm. I also feel, I have a feeling with this album that Tull, the Theseus's ship of Tull, is getting into a place of 
of comfort. I remember, remember when we worked at the Renaissance Fair? Is that where I met you? <laughs> when we worked at the Renaissance Fair, <laughs> I remember one of the performers there was turning, had just turned 40. Mm-hmm. And we were, you know, 17, 18, 19, and 40 was just unimaginably old to me. Yeah. And I asked him, I was like, what is it like being 40? And I remember he said, it is the best feeling in the world. I was oh. literally laying in bed, uh, you know, minutes to midnight, being 39, my birthday was coming up. And at the stroke of midnight, I felt this wave of relaxation come over my body where I realized that I just didn't give a damn what anyone else <laughs> thought anymore. <laughs> And I became comfortable with myself. And I feel like Tall is reaching this point when they're still committed to, you know, pushing the Prague exploration mm-hmm. of, you know, they're they're deepening their commitment to these this fantastic poetry being Anderson. But there's a comfort that's kind of creeping in around the edges where it's like, you know what, this is what we do. Yes, we're gonna song we're gonna we're gonna sing this epic song about defending ourselves from the Vikings. Like, yeah, here it is. And it's and it's gonna be passionate and and deep and meaningful and weird hmm eat it up yeah yeah i like that what about you nick have you learned anything well i i think the the synth is really the best point here tied into what you just said in addition to kind of the synth of of the song that we're discussing down at the end of your road is, is that pjv is really is really an ex- a, a beautiful example of showing us how the the synth can be so much more than just a replacement instrument mm-hmm. how it is an instrument in and of itself and and really just the the crazy range that it has i mean there there are synth examples in this in this album where I'm kind of nonplussed by them or or it's it's like okay I get it but then there are other times where he just steps forward and it's just really phenomenal and I I wouldn't I wouldn't put a ring on it yet but I am starting to appreciate the synth I think so you would go on an extended vacation with the synth sure if they paid half yeah wow, wow. Great. Uh, another fun thing is that um from this same period of recording there are actually some songs that are not included on these bonus tracks that i think we will get to at a later date including motor eyes crew nights the curse commons brawl no step drive on the young side of life and lights out that's all going to be on nightcap which we will be doing in literally a year nightcap don't hold your breath starts at a nine five twenty three Unless things change. Well, that's about as much learning as I can take, Nick. Yeah, should we enough. step back inside? It's getting quite mosquitoey out here. Yeah, I just I just dumped my uh, just dumped my lemonade, so I think we're good. Yeah. Uh, oh, that. Yeah. Thank you for putting it in the in the basil. Yeah, it, the, it's it's pretty hot out. Yeah, the basil will never recover. Oh no. Here we are at the lyrical side of the episode. It's time to put on our text analysis hats. Our lyric caps. Awesome. Great. Okay. So, so this is, this song, I know we praise Ian's poetry very regularly at this point, but this song I think goes above and beyond the poetry. And and I've got a list of lines here that or phrases that I've that's pull- just a print out of the entire lyrics of it's, the song Nick. yeah and it's great omen that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> his his word choicing here and i think the words that he chose really really help to work with that kind of peculiar scansion i think they go hand in hand i think if he had gone with more banal wordage it would not have worked quite as well mm-hmm like just for example, iniquitous toad. Iniquitous toad. Vile and despicable nasties. Vile and despicable nasties. Dispensed loathsome creatures. Dispensed loathsome creatures. Rats heads and larks wings. Rats heads and larks wings. There's a sense from this character that they feel greatly superior. Yeah. To everyone else. Mm-hmm. 
And I feel like that kind of very multisyllabic, mm-hmm. bizarre scansion lends itself to that. To just this kind of bizarre character. To this bizarre character who yeah. who has separated himself from the moral functioning of the world, mm-hmm. possibly because he belo- he believes that he doesn't He's better than it. He's above the, he's above standard moral procedures. Yeah. He's playing his game for his benefit, and that's okay. It doesn't matter who gets hurt in the process. Right. Yeah. And, he, and he loves it. Yeah. He's having fun with it. And he lives down the end of our road. Don't now, forget. Now, here's a funny linguistic thing. Okay. The title of the song given in Silent Singing, the authoritative volume on the lyrics of Jethro Tull, mm-hmm. available from the Jethro Tull website is down at the end of your road. However, it is always sung as, and I live down the end of your road. And there's a funny little Britishism versus Americanism. In America, we would never say, I live down the end of the road. Well, maybe in Appalachia. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. But the the more normal way of saying it would be to say, oh, so-and-so lives at the end of the road, down at the end of the road. Yeah. But in England, you can totally say down the end of the road. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just a funny, it's just one of those funny transatlantic differences where, where you can drop the at in England. Yeah. Or rather, I suppose that we have added it back in in America. It's possible, yeah. At what point did it get dropped out? Well, yeah, where's the origin of needing the at? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Puritans. I blame the Puritans. Uh, well, there you, you can blame them for a lot of things. A lot of things, yeah. Yeah. You know, for instance, you know, in England, they say, oh, he's gone to hospital rather than he's Mm. gone to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there seems to be an interesting difference of opinion when it comes to articles between English, British English and American English. Yeah. It's it's peculiar. It feels colloquial. It's I don't think it it takes anything away from the song, nor does it really add anything in. Or do you think it, it it makes do you think it does more to add on to that character who has the 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 large vocabulary and and who kind of sees people from a pedestal, you know? I think the only thing that it really does for me is it is it places it in England. You know, some sure. of the songs that we that we listen to and we then talk tall about very much feel inspired by America. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, sometimes the setting is directly called out, you know, when we get a little bit later on, hot nights in Budapest, etc. Sure. Right. This feels, without having called it out, it feels very English. Yeah. And not just the way that that sentence is being de-articleized, but a lot of the other kind of details in the song. Sure. Right, right, right. Why don't we we jump in, Nick? What is this song about? We talked kind of, uh, we've alluded to this bizarre character. We've talked about maybe their position in the moral and social world. What what is the song actually about? So our... Our narrator, our first person here, is a creep trying to run people out of their homes, people who are on his street, Uh because he hates them or because he's trying to sell their homes, because he just says, by day, I'm a real estate gentleman. I deal in fine properties. By day, I am a real estate agent. So is he is he sabotaging their homes to then be like when when they're like we got to get out of here? He's like you know what I'm a I'm a real estate agent I can I can do that. Step for in you. and save the day. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what it's about. It's this bizarre oh. world of of back alley real estate sabotage. Yeah, which and it's it's so specific. It really that it is. makes me think like is this a real thing? Has this happened? Did this happen to Ian? I certainly feel like I've seen it in like, not even not specifically this, but some sort of premise of someone ruining something in order to gain from it, you know? Well, there's the insurance angle. You know, you, there's there's the old like, ah, yes, I have uh, insurance on my business. Oh, no, my business burned down. Oh, yeah. I'm going to collect the insurance money. Yeah, but that's for your own benefit. This is someone else doing it for their benefit. You know, because he, he's sabotaging the homeowners. The homeowners are suffering for it. Right. In the insurance scheme, technically no one suffers, you know. Totally, totally. But it, yeah, in this in this case, he is 
sabotaging something in order. He's yes. The difference is yes. He's sabotaging something of someone else's in order to profit yeah. potentially from it. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, the other thing that I've heard of is, is neighbors sabotaging each other's property just out of spite. Yes. Right. Or, or, you know, in a case when this happened in my hometown, a couple houses down from my mom's house, there was a, a gentleman who was, whose house went into foreclosure and mm. the bank repossessed it. And before he was forced out of the house, he drilled holes in the roof and did a bunch of other things to make it uninhabitable and, yeah. you know, way more costly to repair than the value of the home was. Yeah. So there's, there's sort of like spite, there's self-sabotage in order to gain from it. But this is an entirely new thing that I've never heard of an example of anywhere else. Yeah, he's, he's a bit of a predator here. He knows the system, he's working the system, and he's, he's kind of terrorizing these people, even though they, they're unaware of it. He's terrorizing these people to get them out to his advantage. I'm working on ways to remove you from paradise, from your striped lawn to your new swimming pool. I'm working on ways to remove you from paradise, from your striped lawn and your new swimming pool. See, the, the paradise right there is kind of the evidence that makes me think maybe he's just doing it to get rid of the neighbors. You know, he doesn't like them because he's clearly, he clearly thinks this is a paradise. So he wants it to be as perfect as possible. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, my assumption in reading the lyrics and listening to the song is that he's trying to get the neighbors out. Mm-hmm. He's terrorizing the neighbors so that they'll move out and he can sell their home. But it's ne- that's never actually specifically called out. No, it's not. It almost seems, on further reading it, that... He's a successful real estate – by day, I'm a real estate gentleman. I deal in fine properties, cheap at the price. It seems like he's just doing it for the sheer enjoyment of it. Because he's a psychopath. Yeah, I mean that's possible too. He knows enough about real estate and and, and how homes work mm-hmm. to really mess with these people. Yeah. Designing a system to reverse your plumbing, welling up as you sit on your private throne. Private throne. Designing a system to reverse your plumbing, welling up as you sit on your private throne. How would you reverse someone's plumbing? That's very complex. Yeah, I couldn't even tell you. I mean, everything that he's doing is is ingenious. It's creative. It's devious. It's devious to the level of artistry, I, I think. Yeah, yeah. So many dreadful mishaps have befallen you down at the end of your road. So many dreadful mishaps have befallen you down at the end of your road. I place broken bottles in your geraniums, sabotage your gardening tools. I place broken bottles in your geraniums, sabotage your gardening tools. I mean, it's just like... Imagining what how how could you sabotage someone's gardening tool? Well, and then the mind starts working and you yeah. start thinking of all these terrible ways. Yeah, exactly. I would saw someone's rake almost all the way through. Just enough, yep. So that it works a couple of times and then and then it breaks and then really breaks. unexpectedly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean there are ways. We'll make it happen. Cut the brakes on the rototiller. <laughs> wow. I'm I'm impressed. If your rototiller has brakes, that's like that's that's a swanky rototiller. That's really nice. So the the repeated line, and I live down the end of your road, feels like that's the spoken line. Everything else is kind of in his head. It's almost like he's talking to these people. Oh, oh. And they're saying they're they're complaining to him. And then and then he's saying, you know, I mean, I, I do real estate and I live down at the end of your road. It's almost, one can almost imagine the scene where you move into a house and you meet the neighbor for the first time. Maybe you've been there for a couple months. Yeah. And someone is casually walking past and they say, oh, I'm so-and-so. Yes, oh, I saw you moved in. Yes, I live down the end of your road. Exactly. And inside what he's thinking is. Exactly, is, yeah. Yes. Did you like those large wings? You, yeah. You perfect family. <laughs> yeah. It's fascinating. He's a lunatic. I, I, I love this character, though. But a very systematic lunatic. Yeah, I don't I don't wish this on anyone. Like he's clearly an evil person, but it's it's this character is is so so absurdly evil that it's like okay to kind to to like him, to root for him a little bit. 
Yeah, right. I, I wrote something down about the about the way that the guitar was being played, which was, it, mm. and I think I mentioned this in the in the first half of the show. It feels like this amazing mix of of control and being completely unhinged at the yes. same time. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what this character is. It's mm-hmm. like this person has some kind of extremely antisocial perspective on the world. Yeah, morally is completely corrupt. Iniquitous means morally wrong, morally outrageously morally wrong and iniquity is is a is an as is an injustice that cannot be bared yeah but he has such a clever system for enacting his bizarre plans and he's getting away with it clearly because he can pass as this respectable gentleman who is oh yeah so yeah the nice neighbor who mostly keeps to himself it's a bit like it reminds me of American psycho almost in that he's this like respected businessman and nobody knows what he does in his free time. And meanwhile, he's chopping people up with chainsaws or axes. This is a slightly more wholesome version of that. Yeah. I mean, he's of. not killing anyone. He's right. getting his jollies by, by putting doggy poo poos in your morning mail. Send doggy poo poos in your morning mail. It's a gateway though. It's a gateway. Who knows what happens next? Or maybe it's a release valve. Mm. If he didn't do this, he would snap and do much worse. Maybe he's arrived at this conclusion of like, well, I'm not going to murder anybody, but I need to kind of get my fix. Yeah. I mean, I I guess that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You just mentioned doggy poo-poos. How do you feel about that particular phrasing being in here? It's so lowbrow. It's such a low way to put it compared to everything else. Yes, there's something a little bit childlike about it. Yeah, is it like, is it to tell us his level of maturity in a way? Is it, is it tongue in cheek? I think it, for me, what it reads as as, is the delight that he takes in these Mm, things. mm -hmm. It's not like, oh yeah, and then I put some dog poop in there, whatever. It's like, yeah. Oh, and then I made this beautiful package of doggy poo-poo and I put it in their mailbox. How delightful. I like that. I like that. I mean, also, in, in a sense, like in when this was written in what, like 84, 85, somewhere around there, mm-hmm. was was poo-poo not so silly a phrase, you know? Who knows the 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 progression of that phrase in, in the, the time frame, but yeah, it could also be – it could also sound different to our American ears than to a British listener. Exactly, yeah. Is there any – I'm going to ask you the same question in two different ways. Okay. I'm going to skip to the second part. Go for it. Have you ever observed the lifestyles of people who, you know, have the perfectly manicured lawns and the perfectly white fence and – you know, have the the perfect little family and everything is neat and they have the flag hung outside and you just want to burn it all to the ground? I was a dog groomer for about a year. I like where this is going. In Westchester, New York. For context, Westchester, New York is an extremely affluent suburb of New York City from which a lot of people commute into New York and a lot of high paying jobs. It's about an hour north of the city and it is very rich. Mm-hmm. And I was on the mobile grooming team, so we would go to houses okay. and groom them in the in the van that we had. But I would see the giant mansions, the gated sure. communities that you had to push the, the talk button on there and, and, uh, and get in there. And I also, years after that, I also tutored a couple of kids in Connecticut. In a very uh-huh. swanky place in Connecticut, kind of the same the same area. This big mansion, perfect. Everything was manicured. Everything the the help took care of everything and made sure it wow. was clean. And yes, I did want to leave a doggy poo poo on the lawn. I did want to to burn it down here and there. And the statute of limitations has passed on any doggy doo doos that you may have left. Okay, so I, I left so many doggy poo poos. <laughs> have you? Have you seen this is like this is like an old, very old school prank, but you know the classic one of putting dog poop in a paper bag, mm-hmm. like a paper lunch bag, and then setting it on someone's porch and lighting it on fire and then knocking on their door yeah. and running away? Yeah. So that they open their door, they see this bag on fire, so they, uh, their immediate reaction is to stomp on it to put it out. 
and then they're and then they get poo covered in on poo. their sock or slippers or yeah or Gucci Gucci toe ring or whatever Gucci toe ring yeah yeah I have three of those I didn't know you knew about those <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's interesting what you pointed out that this is somebody who is overtly detailedly unambiguously evil mm-hmm. and you can't help but kind of liking them yeah or admiring them somehow yeah is it the erudition you know is that is that charming us here i think that's part of it i think the other part of it that is fascinating going back to the title down at the end of your road and the repeated line that you pointed out down the end of your road well, I live down the end of your road. Yes, I live down the end of your road, down the end of your road. It almost makes me think like, oh, he could be anywhere. Any of your neighbors could be this person. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of an everyman, an every psycho. Yeah. Or you could be this person. Hmm. Do you live down the end of the road? Do you put broken bottles in your neighbor's geraniums? <laughs> if so, join the iniquitous toad club. <laughs> I think one of my favorite lines of all songs ever is, but underneath I'm an, an iniquitous toad. What a, oh, oh. I want it Just so on good. a t-shirt. Yeah. Okay, talk, another another t-shirt design. I'm working on it. Yes, I live down the end of your road. Nick, I think we have reached the end of this road of talking about this song. Next week, we are starting, are we not, a brand new album off of the record shelf. We're taking it down. We're blowing the dust off. We're choking on that dust. That is right. We are doing album number 15. This is from 1984. It is the Under album. Oh, my goodness. Super... Super thrilling. So this is, I am actually really excited about this because now that we're getting into a little bit of a blind spot for me, I am Mm. really not familiar with under wraps. Really? Okay. I think I always, I know there are some, some drastic differences, but sonically I equate it to A, so I think you will really enjoy it. Plus it's very Le Carre based, which I think you enjoy as well. The the kind of, the idea of the, the spy novel. Yeah. Sure. Great. Of course we'll, we'll get into it. Starting next week, we'll be talking all sorts of things about the album proper and the first song off of that album, which is Lap of Luxury. Oh my gosh, amazing. If you want to feel like you are living in the lap of luxury, why not order yourself a soft, plush, Talk Tall to Me branded sweatshirt? I implore you, sweet listeners, don't give us doggy poo-poos, but give us five stars. And... A review as well, please, on your podcatcher of choice. If you feel like you have been living a double life, why not come out into the light and join the Another Iniquitous Toads in our Talk Tall to Me Discord chat, which you can get access to for only $5 a month through our Patreon. $5 a month in this economy? You'd be losing money not to subscribe to our Patreon. You will get access to two additional podcasts and our discord server until next week i am a man made of rats heads and larks wings nick mcgill i'm the broken bottle in your geraniums omen thomas said we are all kinds of vile and despicable nasties the feckless momes and this is the podcast that wells up as you sit on your private throne (laughs) talk tall to me Carrots rise at dawn. Ah, the toads drip with iniquity. Yes, yes, come into the bush, my friend, come into the bush. Carl, how are you? I'm doing well, Jason. I'm doing very well. It's been a good night this night. I have heard some screams coming from various (laughs) houses. Was that your handiwork? Oh, my goodness. I collected, I collected special muck mold. From the dingiest water holes, 
of Plymouth Harbor. Oh. And I distributed them underneath. You are going to love this. Underneath a thin layer of plastic, underneath the rug in the front entryway. So they walked over it for weeks until it had ripened. And then one day. That is horrifying and on another level. That is why I bow to you, sir. I bow to you. Thank you, thank you. I, I do. You, have you have you smelled an aroma in the air recently? Perhaps down at the end of the road. Oh, it's been foul lately. I thought perhaps the water treatment facility was on the fritz. No, no, no. Oh. My shipment of skunk musk has come in, and oh. I've been spraying it liberally around the Albertsons. Oh, how clever of you! Uh, I do. <laughs> how clever of you! Uh, I've been having difficulty getting skunk musk. You must have gotten it from a particularly illegal source. I know some people who milk some skunks. <laughs> oh, have you noticed? Have you noticed an eerie peeping sound at the middle of the night, at the darkest hour when most people are asleep? Is that the fire alarm? <laughs> it is an alarm, which oh. is about to catch fire. Oh, you devious bastard. Tell me, tell me what you've done. I rewired, it took me a week to figure out, I rewired the motherboard of a standard fire alarm so that it will peep at irregular under- intervals, no matter how many times you switch out the batteries. And then, at a randomly decided date and time, it will combust. That is amazing. Yes. Amazing. And even better, I believe it's the house with the big pool behind it. Is that where oh, I've heard God, it coming from? St- the Johnson. My God, I can't yes, stand them. the Johnsons. Very punchable faces. They won't have any pool water to put out that fire with because I just dumped a 50-gallon drum of gelatin in there. <laughs> the clear stuff, yes? Yeah? So it looks exactly like water until they the, dive in. They'll bounce off of it and Fly into the the rafters. Those stupid idiots. Dumb, dumb Johnsons. They deserve to suffer. Oh, I hope they leave. I hope you get the sale, though, Carl. That'd be great. Oh, me too. You know, every time I walk past that house, I always think to myself, you know, Jason, Doc told me, really is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network, isn't it? Hmm. Hmm. You bring up a valid point. Yes. <gasps> the dawn breaks. Scatter. Down at the end of your toe.